The Lisping Podborough Coalition is here today. Uh, it's Entitled Town, the post-Jets version of Entitled Town. In Entitled Town, as featured on the WEI and Odyssey app, it's time for Four Downs with Patrick Scartelli. Thank you, Iron Eyes Cody. These are the Four Downs from Sunday's Patriots at Jets game. Down one, draft reach Cole Strange. He gave up a sack. He was penalized twice for holding and got taken out in favor of the broken-down fat kid from Georgia. Going great! Down two, the Patriots' offensive coaching. For again settling for mere field goals, but also for not taking the let Lamonde run for 70 yards and also receive for 70 yards suite of plays out of the Bailey Zappi playbook and put them into the Mac Jones playbook until week eight, dummies. Down three, Ramondre Stevenson. You got tackled for a loss or for no game on eight of your 16 carries of the day. Eight. You did. You did. Down four, Devontae Parker for begging out of the game after getting a little owie and his widow feelings hurt after the pass intended for him was broken up on New England's first pass play from scrimmage. Those are the four downs. We're continuing on as normal to Entitled Town. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Last week and then this week now, again, Matt Slater. Slate? Second, second most games ever played by a New England team. In the history of that, 103-year history of the NFL, there have been over 480 coaches. And this week, uh, our head coach, um, became number two overall in wins. And when you think about it, I was sort of hoping it was going to happen last week, but Papa Bear Hallis, who was one of the founders of the league and owner of the Bears and coach, he didn't let it happen. Uh, I guess he's still all-powerful, but I'm pretty proud also that 288 of those 325 wins came in the last 23 years with the Patriots. So the number two all-time coach in the 103-year history of the league, our coach, Bill Bell. It's the truth now. Players win them. Players win them. Players win games. All right. Glad we have a lot of good players on this team. Yeah! I, I want to say this very clearly. They hate their coach.
Patriots 22, Jets 17 in the Meadowlands on Sunday, Dan. I was really glad to see uh, that the Patriots actually brought out the good playbook, the zappy playbook. Uh, here's our buddy Felger and uh, almost the coach Greg Bedard with their eagle-eyed analysis and totally genuine and not at all baiting their listeners, talking about the different playbooks they run for Zappy and Mac. They gave Zappy the fancier play. They gave Zappy the better play action pass by far. Double run action. What do you know? The Bears fall for a great call. No one's even close to Jacoby Myers, and he goes down there. Why the two different calls? Why the two orders, Colonel Jessup? Why are they different for these two guys? Almost the coach thought he was so goddamn clever referencing Colonel Jessup. Well, well done. He should be in entitled town panels with those modern uh, pop culture references. Dan, in all seriousness, uh, good things to take from, first of all, a division win on the road against the despicable Jets. Uh, the patented old school Patriot, uh, clock management double score. They got 10 points with the last possession of the first half and a touchdown to start the third quarter. Uh, Mac looked a lot better in the second half. They brought out the zappy playbook out of desperation, clearly. A few things from those clips you just had. So they, they brought out the, they gave them, they gave Jones the, uh, the Glenn Gehrig playbook that they yes. gave us, zappy. And listening to Kraft, every time Kraft gets in front of a microphone, I always get a little anxious. Like, oh, how's, no. he gonna, how's he going to muck this up? And and I get where he was going with that. He was trying to say, oh, you know, Palace came, you know, from uh, the otherworldly uh, influence on that one game, but you, it still it still comes off so clunky. Like oh, I kind of hope for it last game. Um, Passive aggressive. Maybe it's from all that comedy he's been playing with that young girl. Yeah, but but the game itself, you know, division win on the road. That's a good win, no matter the circumstances. Don't let anybody tell you that the Jets suck. Amen. As tough a defense as they've faced all year, I, I saw online anywhere that he uh, Mac was pressured anywhere between uh, 38 and 41 percent of the time, and it showed at times in his decision maker decision making. But they they still got into the Jets territory regularly, and they still scored multiple times. I don't care that it was five field goals because those 15 points put pressure on Zach Wilson, and nobody knows how to protect a two score lead like Bill Belichick. It was a smart, comfortable, good win. Scarty, the Jets were five and two going into that game. Uh, Jets Nation, as it is, those with not enough self-esteem to be Yankees fans or Giants fans, um, they were at Twitter. Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, implored the uh, the crowd going into the Meadowlands to get into that, get into the stadium early because they didn't want them walking in in the late first quarter, early second quarter. The Jets built that game up. The Patriots took the best punches they had in their first half. It was an ugly first half. We alluded to it last week. It was going to be an ugly game. A win is a win is a win. They're back to four and four. They're within spitting distance of a playoff of a playoff berth that the season ended today. We all know that's ridiculous because it doesn't. But they're in play with the, uh, a, a team coming in that's fi just fired their offensive coordinator, has a first-year starting quarterback who's going to be starting his second game. Hopefully the trend line is pointing up. I can see it. I can see it pointing up. I was uh, happy if, if, if the game had been played, uh, if they played as well in the second half as they did in the first half and reverse that, if they played as bad in the second half as they did in the first right. and hung on to win, uh, it wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have made me feel as good. But the fact that they apparently had some, uh, 
second half adjustments made. I know that those are one of those things that you either believe in or you don't, but they, right. they definitely look like uh, they had tightened things up on the second half. And I'm surprised that the league hasn't uh, made it illegal, the, uh, the double score at this point, just because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it happens every game with me. They keep getting away with it, it feels like. And as for, as for the first half, bad things happen on occasion, as I uh, referenced in the, in the four downs. Losing Devontae Parker after, you know, one snap. I'm sure that's right. not what that was nowhere, you know, on their list of things to have happen during the game. And he's he's proven that he can be a, a useful, useful item out on the field there. And I hope he uh, gets that uh, knee owie fixed in, uh, in short order. And we'll be back, you know, hopefully after the bye. Dan, there's also always a, a huge clattering about weapons with a Z. I think the Patriots have one in Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's clearly probably the best player they have on offense. Damian Harris, also a, a really, really good ball player as well. Um, you made the point that the, Jet, the Jets have a legitimately solid defense. They have an aggressive, defensive-minded head coach. Ramondre was well over 110 yards in total offense from scrimmage. Um, you know, how do, I mean, Ramondre is their best player. Hopefully they get Parker back. The pieces are there. It is what it is. The trade deadline is passed. They did not add anybody yet, although there's always some waiver stuff this week. But how do you feel about the state of the offense? The game seemed to slow down in the second half for Mac Jones. Uh, well, you and I were talking during the game at right at halftime. Let's let's be honest. We were pissing our shoes in the first half. <laughs> about what a lot of that going do. on. You know, we were we were hearkening back to 2001 about what you do. We both identified that the the line was the big issue. They could uh, not they could not protect half. the passer at all at all. And so they needed they to do the things. Like your Jesus. They they needed to, to get the the ball out quick. They needed to start doing all the things they they did back then. Whenever you know, whenever they had line problems, there it's going to be the 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 wide receiver slip screens or the uh, or or some screens just in general. Um, and they started to do that or or a little um, uh, like the the toss sweeps, and that's what we started to see in the second half a lot the ball was coming out quicker. They had some plays designed to get the ball moving out faster. Um, so I, I was pleased to see that you're right. Ramondre is a great weapon. I think he's really established himself as the lead back now. Right. But that's not to say Harris. Uh, uh, Very good player gets the most yards available to him. All always. Yeah. He, he had a couple of great plays in that game. Love, love having the two back to work with yeah and, and for that I'm matter gonna... uh max uh runs during the game didn't have that flavor of you know terrible desperation like they did during the uh the jet the uh bears game in more to the point scartilla i think it showed that maybe his ankle is is maybe saying turn the corner you don't want to say turn when it comes to a bad ankle no, but no, it, yeah. i think maybe i mean he looked good he didn't look hindered at least in a mostly straight line like you don't want him, him doing barry sanders jump cuts but having a quarterback who can pick up the first down with his legs, as long as he's not running while he's shitting his pants when his first read isn't there, is, uh, is exactly. a good thing. It's going to be an advantage, want, Scartelli. It could be. You also don't want your quarterback to get, you know, clunked in the head while, you know, going for that first down. So I'd, I'd rather he had done, you know, a, a slide there or something. But he, as for the, uh, as for the, you know, the supposedly controversial rushing the passer, call that negated what that, world you know, is that, that ghastly uh that ghastly pick six 
That was, I mean, I, I don't know how much clearer it could be. You know, of all people, I saw Ted Jones, Johnson. Uh, Ted Johnson, sorry, Ted Johnson explained that play very well and, and why it was a penalty. I was, I was shocked, but it was all about the fact that the guy launched. The guy launched himself into the helmet of a quarterback who had just released the ball. I mean, I, I would like to know in what world that, that uh, penalty was controversial. That now the timing when he threw the ball, when him and Myers were on the same page and the Jets got a pick, you know, a sad trombone uh, dot wave. But Dan, how do you feel, you know, the Bears game, you know, is that was, as we discussed, the bury the football game. Uh, there was good and there was bad in the game at the Meadowlands for Mac. Uh, I feel like, okay, it's his team. It's time to see what they have in him. It's and that's a that's a little bit harsh and vague, but you know I think this has to be his team if they're going to make the playoffs and try to get a puncher's chance at winning a, a, a games in the in the playoffs. It's going to be with Mac Jones and not with Bailey Zappi. He's he's not the quarterback that we saw last year yet. I don't. I yet, haven't. And seen, yet is the word. Yeah, uh, there's no quarterback controversy, but we saw enough from him last year and his skill, his his uh, his accuracy to know that that quarterback is in there somewhere. So it's, it's all about, you know, football is a team sport. It's all about mm-hmm. how well they sink over the remaining uh, half of the schedule. Agreed. Now, Scartelli, if you think about the um, last year's crop of rookie quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's, he's under a cloud there in Jacksonville after the Urban Meyer stuff. Sorry, Albert Breer. Justin Fields had a great game at Foxborough last week. I, Mac had a, had the best year out of all of them last year. I don't think that's disputable. Davis Mills has been up and down in Houston. Oh, Zach Kellen Wilson. Been. Zach Wilson's terrible. Has there ever been in the history of professional football a, a less effectual 355 yards passing? Did you ever fear him for one minute? Well, it was like like you said they were you know the, they were defending a, a two score lead. If they're going to give up some some cheap yards to chew up a uh, clock, I can I can live with that, and that's exactly what they did. They you know they they were able to get uh, get some points at the end to make it uh, make it respectable, but not enough to get to the uh, two and a half or three or whatever the uh, the betting line was, if that's even the term. I'm you know I'm in uh, the Commonwealth where they don't let you do things like that <laughs> uh, yet. Maybe maybe next year or you know maybe you know. 2024. Not that everyone, anyone's bitter about that. I'm sure the completely on the level state legislature will get right on that when after they finished how to cut your taxes and more appropriate uh, spending uh, effectively for citizens of the Commonwealth. Dan, the bad tackling on the long, uh, the the long catch and run to Garrett Wilson that led to the Jets touchdown to cut it to five, and trying to resist the easy joke that. Another Bledsoe in the Patriots is is stepping on his dick and allowing <laughs> two touchdowns where there shouldn't be any. The defense was good. Zach Wilson wanted to give them the game. He gave it to them. What's wrong with that? Very Senfaldian. What's wrong with that? No, nothing whatsoever. That's said it at the top. It's 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 a good win. It's a it's a road win against a divisional opponent that's actually pretty good this year. So I don't know what's not to like. 
well, there's enough, it's, there's enough there for them to improve on. And, and, but that's fine is, you know, you, you do it in a win, you have, give Belichick something to, to address some things to yell at the players about and they're, everything's, everything's fine. Scarzi, Belichick, as previously mentioned, broke uh, George Papa Bear Hallis's record of 324 runs. He's now second to the despicable Don Shula. Didn't get a lot of pub nationally, even locally, you know, kind of disappointingly, you know, the Patriots.com, the, the House Organ put out that stuff. But, you know, we've we've thrown a lot of, you know, barbs at Mopey Tommy and, you know, you know, whatever. But I think we need to be more appreciative of what we've witnessed for two plus decades. Bill Belichick being on the sidelines in charge of the Patriots gives them an advantage every goddamn week. And we're lucky to have witnessed this run. Oh, there's there's absolutely no two ways about that, that that is the case. And in fairness to the, you know, national media and local media, I think there was a bit. Uh, bit I really don't want to be you, fair to them. Exactly. And I, I'm not sure where I was going with that. But the whole idea is that when he tied Hallis, I think they uh, I think they brought that up a couple, you know, for for that week, which was which was mighty swell of them. It was probably set up more for the Monday night win. It was a national game, that sort of thing. And maybe just fell into the radar at 10 a.m. Excuse me, for you plebeians, a 1 p.m. start. Early who, was it between, who was it between McCourty or Slater? I, I forget which of the two said it. It was one of those guys that said, I hope the fans can appreciate this. And It was almost certainly Slater. But yeah, McCourty, I, I would, it's, it's like a yeah. two, two to one 50, favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of us to, you know, to a person are like, no, no, (laughs) they don't. They don't appreciate it at all. No, they appreciate Jim Murray's catch-up recommendations more than they do the guy uh, whose team they root for. They're they're furiously typing to uh, to their, you know, 98.5 heroes that Bill needs to be on the hot seat and Kraft needs to do something. Hey, Jimmy Stewart, what does your phone say? (laughs) <laughs> so they got Indy coming in next week, Dan. Uh, Matt Ryan, the, uh, Matty Journeyman from Boston College is on the bench. Sam Ellinger from Texas is in the game. He struggled a little bit last week uh, in, in, the, in the Colts' loss. Um, Ellinger is a mobile quarterback. He's not mobile to the point that Lamar Jackson is or that Josh Allen is. There's element of the unknown. He's not a rookie. This is his second year, but he's only making a second start. Um Patriots, you know, are in a good position here to get above 500. But at this point, they're not good enough where they can, you know, just put one in the win column, even though, you know, I would love to do that. But after the Bears game, I'm, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, actually, that might turn out to be a good thing for them. They're not in a position to take anybody for granted. You know, they're down in in the same spot as, you know, 20 other teams all fighting fighting for the same spot so no they, they they've got to come in treat themselves as the underdog in every game going forward agreed uh, scartelli I, I think that's a fairly obvious point but the colts coming in do you still have any enmity towards the colts they were they weren't the originals of the flake stuff but they they kind of escalated put it over the top and it's not the same coaching staff and it's not the same players it is the same owner um where was the dead hooker, Jim? But uh, you know, how do you feel about the Colts coming in on Sunday? Oh, I still hate them. 
I love it. It's it's, it's uh, what am all, what else am I supposed to? Do? I'm surprised that they didn't get the rules changed. I'm you know beating this drum again. Surprised they didn't get the rule changed that they always have to play an indie, which is like how it felt <laughs> during the uh, <laughs> during the two thousands. Uh, and of course, uh, like you say, I, I'm picturing it's going to be a big Jamie Collins day, playing you know sideline to sideline. Freelancing sideline to sideline. What are you talking about? I love, you know, he's, he's very good at freelancing. He's freelancing like he's a writer for the Boston Sports Journal. Speaking of which, um, would you take Loiko or Wozni Lombre? Uh, let's hold that subject for another time. Um, Dan, Ime Udoka was, uh, Steve Nash was fired today as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. He's probably doing the Andy and Shawshank thing where he's in the stream, he's free. He doesn't have to deal with Kyrie Irving and passive-aggressive uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, in the Celtics let Ime Doka go, there was a lot of hand-wringing over that. It's like, why would you want someone who's maybe a sexual predator and makes women uncomfortable in the office? And God knows what happens. But um, how desperate do the Nets have to be? Not just to fire Steve Nash, but... Nothing has been vetted over this. I mean, who has worse hiring policies, the Ringer, Boston Sports Journal, or the Brooklyn Nets at this point? You, you know, the hand-wringing over not getting compensation. We, we quote this joke all the time, but again, it's the same old Woody Allen joke. You know, yeah. such, uh, this food is terrible in such small portions, too. <laughs> he, he's not going to be the Celtics coach. They, they were trying to be rid of the problem, and this gets rid of the problem. I don't know what the Nets any- are doing with it, though. You know, the, honestly, it's like I, there's a uh, we're recording on Tuesday evening, Boston time. It's it's a beautiful late afternoon here in the Pacific Northwest. The go, brilliant sunshine cascading down over the Olympic Mountains. Scartelli, I think it's you know, what's my old phrase, colossally stupid or willfully ignorant. I mean, anyone who's wringing their hands or pissing their shoes over Adoka going to the Nets as good as he was for the Celtics last year, leading them to within two games of a championship. Sometimes there are, sometimes there are things that are more important involved than winning games on the court, the fields, whatever. Oh yes. It's you're not, you know, getting no, uh, nothing for a toxic asset. You're losing a toxic liability. Yes. It's, it's just, you know, Aloha means goodbye. Aloha. So we're going to, you know, here's your, here's your hat. Here's your coat. So sad. You can't stay. It's so terrible that we don't have to be on the hook for paying you now or for, you know, any sort of, uh, any sort of potential legal actions that come up for suspending you for the year. Gosh, this is just terrible. have fun trying to get that uh, Nets team to play defense. Well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I Nets reaction. No clue. Oh, well, let me do this again. This is the Nets uh, HR department's reaction on Ime Udoka's priors. I had no clue. Dan, the NFL trade deadline went by today. As I mentioned earlier, the Patriots did not make any moves. God, I love that sound clip. I'm such a shameless whore. <laughs> uh, the Patriots made no moves. Calvin Ridley got traded. The Bills got a... A, a shocking uh, trade. Shock about well, is that is that your rap sheet, you know, value add there, Scartelli? Whoa, officially official. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Definitely. Bills get Naheem Hines. There's some other not a lot of trades really move the needle. The Roquan Smith thing happened. Robert Quinn went to the Eagles. Uh what were Dan, what were your impressions of uh trade day? 
pre deadline you know, consi- day. Considering that um, the Bills' name came up when McCaffrey was on the block, um, Naheem Hines <laughs> is a is a nice uh, consolation to us that McCaffrey's not on the Bills. Congratulations um, on a job done. But you know, we we were talking about this in an, in advance of the deadline. We all thought. Patriots would do little of anything. Maybe they'd pick up some. Uh, uh, I, I thought at best they might find uh, like some uh, reserve offensive linemen. But Patriots fans kind of look at the trade deadline the same way they do at the start of free agency, where they're saying, you know, do something, do anything. But that just wasn't going to happen because you look at the, the players that would be involved. It's Aguilar. Okay, maybe they would try to get rid of. Uh, that salary he's he's gone this is the last uh last year of his contract so maybe they would want to get a little bit of contract room and get no, like they can't seven... do, they can't do that after parker got dinged and no Bourne's parker goes down right. and, and Bourne's coming off the turf toe they can't do that uh Bourne's got one of the best contracts around for for wide receivers why why get rid of that regardless of how much he plays uh win doesn't make any sense just because you know offensive line everybody's looking for an offensive line you don't get rid of that i don't care how poorly he's played this year he started you know 98 percent of the the games that he's played in you know that he's a commodity and finally uh you saw damian harris's name come up and that people were interested in harris no, no don't, they have don't, no depth no, no depth after the two of those guys again you've got you've got a commodity or you've got something special in that two-headed uh system of running backs don't lose that i can't remember if it was kevin harris or pierre strong where belichick basically said well he wasn't holding on to the ball they had to activate one of them when harris was out with the hamstring pull um but covering the league in not in urine as burrito scartelli who is more mopey this evening is it mopey aaron of wisconsin without getting a wide receiver or Mopey Tommy for not getting any toys to play with down in Tampa. I think uh, I'm pretty sure that it's uh, Mopey Aaron, just because he's got more experience with the moping. Even <laughs> though Tom might be moping a little harder, it's 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 one of those things. I wish I could have muster up any sympathy for any of them, but um, here we stand. All right, it's time for a new entitled town segment. Uh, shamelessly ripped off from Twitter user uh, Bobby Bogart. He is at Bobby underscore Bogart. He asked, he mentioned about the Mount Rushmore of terrible Boston sports media writers. And I opened it up to the local, um, uh, excuse me, the Lisping Podbro Coalition. Open it up to the media in general. And I, I don't know whether it's your personal Mount Rushmore or Mount Mushmore in this case, or if it's just Mount Mushmore at all. It probably should be Mount Mushmore at all, but we all have our own opinions that are colored by that. Dan, who's on your Mount Mushmore of most despicable Boston sports medias? Okay, so my criteria uh, that I establish is who leaves the worst lasting influence on the Boston media landscape. And I started with Dan Shaughnessy. Because Shank started the whole loserville mentality with that insipid curse bullshit. The the Red Sox didn't go seriesless because of some superstitious hoodoo or or let alone some Broadway play. But Shaughnessy played that up, and a whole nation of fans adopted that as their, their identity. And it, it still irks me to this day to see that scene in Spotlight when uh, Robbie first meets 
Marty Baron, yes, who's yes. reading Curse of the Bambino to learn the culture of Boston. And Robbie says, oh, yeah, yeah, good book. You know, it's, it's a blight on, on an otherwise good, really, really good movie. Self-loathing Dorchester shit. That's all that is. Yeah. Uh, next is Michael Felger. And I could point to uh, Eddie Andelman or, uh, or Glenn Ordway as precursors, but I think Felger has refined and perfected the radio troll persona, uh, birthing an army of pretenders, wannabes, and acolytes. And uh, the, the whole makeup of the young media types now, they all take their cues from Felger. Uh, uh, third on my list is John Tomasi. Uh, certainly not in terms of his body. A of lock, work. an absolute mortal lock to be on yeah. the Mount Mushmore Medias. Yeah, not not in terms of his um, his body of work, which is rather pedestrian. But that one act of writing the Super Bowl walkthrough walkthrough story has left uh, a mark on on the media landscape to the point where even Bob Costas was repeating the line just last week. Absolutely. Yeah. And finally, Will McDonough. I, I was thinking Borges or even Ordway here, but I think their areas of infamy were already covered by Shank and Felger, respectively. And McDonough was the forerunner of know-it-all columnists. He routinely furthered his own personal agendas or vendettas in his column, and he set the tone for every head football guy at a paper that that followed that he was more important and more knowledgeable about the sport than any of the people that he covered. Um, on top of that, he had the whole draft bullshit where it's like, oh yeah, he's, uh, he hits really, really hits every pick every, you know, and, or, or the, uh, that 1997, what really happened story between Parcells and Kraft reinserted himself into the story and really, uh, positioned that towards Parcells side. And finally the, the highly embellished. Claiborne fight story from 1979 after the, uh, the, the drubbing of the jets. And I, I interviewed two guys who were present for that incident. And so much of it is BS. Like the, the guy that ended up first, Claiborne was never knocked out by that. I mean, they they got into a scuffle, but it was like all laundry like a laundry cart, right? It was like a 22nd scuffle. The guy who ended up in the laundry cart was Billy Sullivan. <laughs> That's so appropriate. Um, Billy Sullivan, dear God. <laughs> so I have, I share with you, I share with you, uh, Shank, Felger, and Tomasi, you know, Tomasi's sins are well documented. I think what galls me most about the Tomasi stuff is that he did all of that when he was at the Herald, offered a defense, took a non-mea culpa, mea culpa that the Herald turned into back page and front page cover stories and then after the Fuhrer had died down he then kind of, kind of starts obliquely and then just doubling down on what he said after the fact after the Patriots and Bob Kraft did not sue him back into oblivion as John says all the time the Boston Herald should be Patriots prob that Bob Kraft should own Wingo Square the Herald and every tabloid newspaper writes in New England but I will disagree with you here what do the first three that we agree on, Dan, have in common? That's Tomasi, Felger, and Shank. They were all promoted and feeded on Glenn Ordway's big show. Glenn Ordway is the, is the fourth on my Mount Mushmore of Boston sports medias. If gaslighting is a talent, 
then he's talented. He offers nothing. He's he's the that guy in your group, your group of friends, or maybe not friends, acquaintances that you wish you weren't acquainted with, that know nothing than to just try to rile shit up, pit people one against another, and just make something a shit show because you have no nothing to offer. You just want to make chaos in where peace should lowly ride. And Glenn Ord, it's no coincidence that Glenn Ordway, and like we're leaving out a couple here at least. I consider Will McDonough. I considered Borges. It kills me to not put Borges or Bedard on this list. Eddie Andelman. Eddie Andelman, there was some joy in, in what he did when he was a little bit younger, but you know, a younger, dem- uh, older demographics like us get that. But Ordway, joyless, talentless, you know, he feasted on that Patriots tailgate scam that he had with Diossi and Smurlis, where they all sweated on patrons who inhaled their cigar smoke. And I believe a really talented young writer wrote a piece for the 15net.com about Glenn Ordway and his gaslighting ways, but I'll leave it there. So my Mount Mushmore is Ordway, Tomasi, Felger, and Shank. So Dan and I share three out of four. Scartelli, who's on your Mount Mushmore of Boston sports medias? Well, I'm calling mine Mount Flushmore. Get it? Get it? And I, I took a slightly different tack on this. I wanted to equate uh, each of the four individuals with the four, uh, with the four busts that are actually on the actual Mount Rushmore. So, you know, going left to right as you're looking at it up in North Dakota or South Dakota or wherever it is, I'm going with uh, in the George Washington position. I think we have to go with the Colonel Dave Egan. He oh, is the absolute, he, he is the father, as it were, of negative, toxic Boston sports writer culture. He was the one who had the gall, the audacity to go after the great Ted Williams. You know, this, you know, he wouldn't tip his cap to the fans. The guy was the greatest hitter in baseball. But he's a system left fielder caller. Exactly. Next we're going to go into the Jefferson spot. And I believe, you know, Willie McDonough slides nicely into there. Historically just, accurate, Scarlett. It's historically so accurate. I, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, uh, I'm not sure if, uh, not sure if Jefferson had skin that looked like he was on a uh, dart catching team, but that's neither here nor there. Next up, we've got ourselves a bit of a wild card. I'm going with Mark Farinella. Well, well, explain. Te- Please explain. Well, 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 he is terrible, but this puts him in the uh, in the Teddy Roosevelt spot. In the he doesn't really belong there, but he's here just the same. So that's just, that's just how I decided to go with that. Also, exactly. he lives on Route One uh, near Mike uh, Media Mike. Well, that's you know that just makes it all the more all the more you know pertinent to the cause here. And lastly, in the in the Lincoln spot, I think we have to go with. Uh, I think we have to go with uh, Shank just to just to just because he's just uh, perhaps perhaps the greatest of all those that are on there when it comes greatest to challenge flag dot Jeff the greatest as in you know the worst I think to, to best of the worst the best of the worst the 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 absolute worst of the worst I've been telling you guys for months now I've been I want to have the when I redid the intro, I would have been trying to find Carl Everett screaming at Shaughnessy in the Fenway clubhouse. 
you know, the curly haired boyfriend by you globe motherfucker. That yeah. sort of thing is like, if, if a listener can send that to us, we'll give you a free year, a free year subscription to the 15 net.com and to in, entitled town bonus clips. And uh, <laughs> so just uh, unspeakable equity involved there. Let's go to the emails. Um, both in, emails are from Scartelli. That poor, that poor fellow, uh, Vinny Jace, who you hit with an international object. You really the, uh, were offended WWF. by me, like throwing a barb Vinny's way last week. How <laughs> dare you? He, he can take it. He, you know, he's one of he, the greats. He, exactly. He's, uh, he's, he's in on, he's in on the hype. He is. And I will say, and I've told you guys this, that three years of doing this podcast, no segment has ever gotten more positive feedback or more feedback period of our wrestling talk last week. And, you know, poor Dan was rolling his, I had to pick up his eyes if they're rolling on the floor. Vinny's first email, uh, appreciate the wrestling centric pod last week, needed it. And he provides some historical context. Piper didn't want to be champion during his WWF days because that meant he had to drop it back to Hogan and lose his heat. That's usually what happened to the heels who went against Hogan, happened to Savage and Paul Orndorff. Speaking of Paul Orndorff, he did nearly take the belt off of Hogan in 86. Now, I will say of the wrestling segment, the most popular part of the wrestling segment was our favorite jobbers of all time. And I have to say, I did not see. Uh, I woke up the next morning after the pod. Shaq published the pod uh, late last Wednesday night. And I woke up Thursday morning to outrage we didn't mention SD special delivery Jones and how I how I failed to not give more love or John failed to give more love to the honky tonk man. Uh, the next question Vinny has is for uh, I, I'll throw it to you, Dan. I think it's a good question. Jonathan Taylor ran over the Patriots last year in the game in Indy. Um, do you think that not? I mean, Carson Wentz didn't throw the ball much in that in that game last year. Um, and he's a little bit worried about the Patriots gashing him again. Is that anything that having a healthy Christian Barmore can't help with? I, I don't think I don't think of Barmore with that. I think more about Lawrence Guy just being the the run stopper, uh, and and how beneficial it is to have Guy back um, now to stop that. Yeah. And I never really compare last year to this year. I, you know, I, Belichick doesn't compare last every, every year is its own entity. Every so, game's its own entity. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know what last year's Colts team has no bearing on this year's Colts team. Agreed. Scartelli. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, Taylor's coming back from injury as well. Kind of Mac Jones style. Oh yeah. You, you, there's, there's always some, you know, tentativeness when it comes to coming back from injury that's a uh, that's both to be expected but it's not something that uh, sports fans particularly like to watch you want uh, you want them to come back you know uh, with the full head of steam but things often don't work that way so eh, we, we, we you know gotta gotta see what happens when they play the game scarcy is upton bell the upton bell account the most despicable or a rage inducing account on twitter not as long as uh, uh, Vito Stellino still, you know, draws breath on this earth. But they're it, like the, it is, they're it like one, the uh, one and one A with those. They're like with those the non-degenerian wonder twins of suck. That's what they are. 
Oh yeah, the, the Statler and Waldorf up in the uh, up in the box there, with <laughs> with nothing nothing good to add. But, but Statler and Waldorf are at least funny. Just the only the only comp is that they're old, old and smell like dust probably. Or at least you know with the, with the latest uh, Upton thing, he was starting to quote the Belichick without without Brady record. You'd think Upton would be the last guy that would <laughs> want to quote a record. Uh, yeah, his record without being with the Colts or his record without a codpiece, that's for damn sure. All right, let's go to our final thought segment. And I, I didn't ask you guys to prepare a final thought, but Scartelli, I want your final thought to be, our final thoughts collectively, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? They're four and four. Uh, they're you know just this side of the halfway point. Uh, what's your expectations for this team moving forward? Well, we do know that uh, absent there being a tie game, they're not going to be 500. Eight, eight and one. Here we come. I, I see them. I still see them winning more games than they lose. Whether that's good enough to get in the playoffs or, you know, something, uh, something unfortunate happens, you know, there's a, another devastating injury or something along those lines. It's hard to say. It's hard to predict things, especially the future, as the uh, deathless Yogi Berra had to say. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, I will watch the games. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this team. I like the player. Caller. And, 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 and things of that nature. Dan, expectations moving forward. I think the current reality of the league is pretty clear. I mean, how it stands now, there's like three good teams. Uh, like I said before, there's like 20 other, 20-something 20 mediocre ones. And the Pats are right in the middle of that. They're right right in the middle, battling in the muck with everybody else. Uh, this fortunately means that they're still in the running for the playoffs. But as things stand currently, they're not. In the, I'd say they're not in the same class as, say, Buffalo. But this league is also about who gets hot, not who's, who's best on paper right See now. See Cincinnati. Yeah, last year's Super Bowl is perfect evidence of that. Both the Rams and the Bengals were the fourth seed going in. People did not expect those guys to be the ones. So or, uh, don't forget, uh, you know, the uh, Giants on both their recent Super Bowl runs. They yeah, that's uh, very true. Special during the during the and I can hear I can hear John yelling from the Bay Area regarding the Ram. Fuck them picks. Fuck them <laughs> picks with the follow coming. So shout out to brother John in the Bay Area. Go ahead, Dan. Yes, he's on assignment too. He, uh, he's assigned to something, that's for sure. <laughs> Kansas City and Philadelphia might look like world beaters right now, but I'd, I'd lay a bet that at least one of them won't be playing in February. That's, yeah, you know, I, and I'll go a step further. The Philadelphia thing, Philadelphia has played magnificent football and they've made a lot of moves a la the Rams did last year. Um, they're sound and they're stout at the lines. They're stout in the second. They don't turn the ball over. They get turnovers. But I, I'm curious to see when you're when you're sending your quarterback and Jalen Mills isn't Kyler Murray, who was always dinged at the end of the year and is less effective. Jalen Mills, you know, really good year so far. If he gets dinged and they have to change their offense with Gardner Minshew, we'll see. Jalen Hurts, you, you know, mean? What's that? Hurts. What I what did I say? Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills, yeah, he's on the Patriots. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm getting California Bills, uh, you know, Dr. Bill Simmons kind of uh, brain here. Um, the Eagles, I'll be curious to see what happens to the Eagles going forward. They have a very, very easy on-paper schedule. 
moving forward, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so again, as I said, Media Mike is on assignment. We'll have more on the 15net.com regarding that. Scartelli is the purveyor of the sports drunk draw. He is at Pat Scartell. Dan is at Patriots Daily. My name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening to Entitled Town. And as always, please stay off the pike and turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.